welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sydney, aka Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Now that you found us, make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button. This is, of course, the former flagship of Five Reasons, but this podcast is now just Heat and NBA. Really appreciate the response. My usual co-host, uh, Alphonse Sidney, is out in Las Vegas. God knows what he's doing, so I don't really want to bother him. So I went out and got another guest today. I'll introduce that person in a second. Actually, the last time I saw him was in Las Vegas. Make sure you check out our website, FiveReasonsSports.com. It's FiveReasonsSports.com. New story up there about Brian Flores canning his first assistant. Also, lots of heat stuff and Marlin stuff up there as well. Even a movie review of Once Upon a Time in America, which I need to check out. And before I get to the episode, I want to let you know it is sponsored by Doral Toyota. More than 1,200 cars and inventory in-house financing available for credit-related issues. Work with your dedicated concierge manager. If you mentioned five reasons or five on the floor, not just a salesperson. Of course, it's conveniently located three blocks east of Dolphin Mall. That's 9775 Northwest 12th Street in Doral. Not only is pricing at all-time low, but if you bring them a price from another Toyota dealer, they will beat that price. So check out DoralToyota.com. That's DoralToyota.com. And when you come see them, ask for the friends and family department. All right, I've asked for the friends department here. Uh, Vincent Goodwill, I, what are we calling you these days? Because I, you keep changing. Was the Twitter handle changed? I, is it Vinny? Is it Vincent? Your email is Vin. I, what, what are you? <laughs> well, here's the thing, Ethan. My given name is Vincent, as most people who don't know me and have no connection with me will call me Vincent. Anybody that I'm close with, like you, y'all will call me Vinny. Mm-hmm. And the people in the middle will call me Vince. So you're on Vinny's status. Wow! How did I get on Vinny's status? How does that happen? Is that I mean? Did I, what did I do? I didn't even I didn't realize I was going for it. I, I think I think hanging out in Vegas the first time we hung out in Vegas kind of sensed it. Uh, yeah, well, we ended up at a late night buffet. That's all I remember. Nothing else uh, will be repeated from 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 any, from, any, from, from any of that stuff. As as is true also of Alf's trip out there right now. So I mean, he he went dark on me. Uh, I mean, he is darker than me, of course. But I mean, he's he's light skinned but he's darker than me. Uh, but 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 he went out to Vegas, and it's like four days, nothing, man. Like just I mean, when I was in Vegas, he heard from me. When he when I was out of summer league, he heard from me. But he's out in Vegas. Alf, I don't know. He's operating in the shadows. I don't know what he's doing. But the reason I'm you bringing gotta, you on. You kind of got to let people go when they go to Vegas. No, I understand that, but nobody lets me go. I mean, I, I was getting calls at like 530 in the morning out there, like from people in my podcast network, like asking me, you know, stuff that they could have figured out on their own. But it, it is what it is. So, you know, I, I, I don't get that same courtesy. But the reason I'm bringing you on is because we were supposed to do this in Las Vegas. We just never connected on it. So I ended up interviewing your buddy hiking because I, I couldn't get you um not not that i didn't want to interview sean but i was doing the the, the jimmy chronicles on jimmy butler and yeah. you know i was calling them buckets backstories or whatever and i talked to casey johnson who you know well and if you haven't checked these episodes out you definitely should uh i talked to john krasinski who covered him in minnesota but i'm not going to do just jimmy with you today because obviously we go way beyond jimmy but you have a relationship with jimmy um, from covering in him, him in Chicago. So let's just start with this. There's no introduction scheduled yet. It's not because they're waiting to introduce Bradley Beal. When I threw this out there today, Heat fans went, even people in my network went, 
ape bleep. Okay. But it's not that it's the Jimmy's in Europe. He's in Amsterdam. Like there's no scheduled press conference. And as soon as he comes back, apparently Riley's going to Malibu or overseas or somewhere. So there's not going to be anything. I don't think until training camp. So we're just trying to introduce Jimmy because Jimmy's not really getting a chance to introduce himself. So get into kind of how your relationship with Jimmy evolved and what did people not understand about Jimmy Butler? Well, the relationship kind of evolved from, you know, it's funny. I came to Chicago at probably the most interesting time uh, of their run where Jimmy Butler, as we know, last pick of the first round, didn't really play his first couple of years and then sort of came on like gangbusters, right? And everything sort of evolved from that. Everybody else, including a guy like Casey Johnson, who I immensely respect, they all had the first impression of Jimmy Butler being humble, quote-unquote, Jimmy Butler. Or Jimmy Butler from Tom Ball, Texas. Jimmy Butler from Marquette, who rarely played, you know, had the, you know, sort of cowboy boots and everything else, goofy kid, all that type of stuff, right? And you know this from covering the Heat and covering different franchises, period. We are often married to our first impressions of someone. So whenever someone has this meteoric rise, we still view them from our first impressions. And a lot of times players don't like that. So Jimmy Butler has had the most meteoric rise almost out of anybody from turning himself from a nothing until, until like basically a superstar in this league. So I didn't meet Jimmy Butler, the bench warmer. I met Jimmy Butler, the guy who was averaging 20 a game, on his way to winning most improved player you know, of the year, all-star type of stuff. So that's how I treated him. I treated him like Jimmy Butler, the all-star. And our relationship started from the fact that while I treated him like an all-star, I also told him that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were better than him. And he appreciated that I didn't kiss up to Jimmy Butler, the all-star, but I also didn't treat him like Jimmy Butler, the guy who could barely get on the floor. So we kind of developed a relationship off of that honesty and, you know, you know, similarities and backgrounds and, you know, certain things like that or whatever, just, you know, from being in the business. So we've always been pretty candid with each other. You know, through the years, and I'm, I'm sure you can see Jimmy Butler from being from afar as someone who appreciates honesty as he sees it. Even if you don't think that he likes it, he appreciates the candor. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that maybe he and Pat or he and Spo will probably connect on. It's not necessarily their roles. Like, I know people can look at Spo and say, you know, Spo used to be in the film room, you know, or the video room type of thing. But Spo probably doesn't want to be reminded of that. Just like Jimmy Butler doesn't like to be reminded of the fact that he had to fax in, you know, his letter of intent to community college and stuff like that. He wants to be treated like Jimmy Butler, the all-star, while also being held accountable as the all-star. And I think to some degree that's where the heat connection, along with Dwayne Wade and everything else, really sort of, you know, took to him where he doesn't have to be the adult for everybody. There's an adult in every room in that building, and he can just be Jimmy Butler, the ball player and be Jimmy Butler, the vocal ball player, when he needs to be and not necessarily raising anyone up like he's probably had to do in his last, you know, two stops. And don't get me wrong, there's some frills to Jimmy Butler that you're going to have to deal with and everything else. You know, some of the things that have been, you know, well chronicled. But some of the things, most of the things, in my opinion, were always based off of a level of principle. It's always a matter of, you didn't like how Jimmy went about it. Maybe not, is Jimmy correct? And I think usually that's the line that people tend to forget. And I think by and large, Jimmy's principles have pretty much have been in the right place. 
Yeah, that's interesting what you talk about, about honesty, because um, I've found that with elite guys in the NBA, that they don't like the ass kissing, most of them. Um, you know, I, I you know, I, many conversations I had with LeBron and Dwayne over the years were them kind of asking, you know, sort of where they fit or, you know, something like that. Like, I, you know, it always surprised me how, like, insecure LeBron could be about certain things when he's the best basketball player in the world, maybe the best athlete in the world. Uh, and, and Dwayne sometimes too, like there is this insecurity that, that goes through them and they want, I think a lot of times, even though obviously we can't do what they do, maybe you can, I can't, uh, but we can't, we can't do what they do, but they, they know the people who are there every day and who are watching and who are talking to other people about them. And they seek that, you know, sort of, it's not guidance, but just clarity, right? Like, okay, you know, right. am I seeing things the correct way. And, and a lot of those guys, I mean, again, the big three teams that I covered, there was a lot of that um, where there was this insecurity and, and, and kind of, you know, it, you know, are we doing things the right way and all of that. Now I know um, I want to get back into Jimmy a second, but again, first, uh, because I didn't introduce this properly at the beginning, you came to Chicago from Detroit, which I know is more home for you. Uh, and, 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 so, and actually I met you in Detroit actually, because I, I went to do a, a story on Stan. I spent like three days with Stan uh, in Detroit when I was at Bleacher Report. So I think that's where actually where you and I got to know each other a little bit. But yep. then, then you went to Chicago and you were working for Comcast Sportsnet. So, um, so that's what you were doing there. And now, of course, you're at Yahoo Sports covering the NBA at large. But, uh, you know, as far as going back to Chicago, and, and let's, let's take this because everything in, in a heat context is in the context of Dwayne Wade, right? Like that, that is, I mean, everything. It's, it's, this is Dwayne's town. He got it back, even though he's in L.A. now and they're the L.A. Wades and whatever. But, I mean, still it's his town. Um, how are Jimmy and Dwayne, cause you cover them together in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and I talked to, to Casey about this. I talked to Sean about this, but how are they different? They are different in the way that Dwayne was probably a little more, Dwayne was more vocal in spots, I feel like, and more like Jimmy was more everyday. Like, this gets on my nerves. This gets on, you know, I don't like this. This gets on my nerves. Like, like how do I put this? Jimmy was more jab. Dwayne was more haymaker. Internally, if that makes sense. When things mm-hmm. happen, when they, you know, quote, unquote, they got in trouble after a game uh, against Atlanta where they blew a 10-point lead, and they both sort of questioned, you know, the team's direction and the players in the locker room. And do you guys want this enough? Jimmy went at about like a six on the on the Richter scale. Dwayne went about a ten. But Dwayne didn't go ten all the time. So it didn't it it, it, struck, it hit people the wrong way. But Jimmy was always at a six or a seven. He just never fully went ten. Like people think Jimmy went ten, but Jimmy didn't really go ten. People just weren't expecting Jimmy Butler, once again, little Jimmy Butler, to go to be so vocal, but rough people the wrong way. Right. And I think the leader, the leadership skills. I think Dwayne is naturally a galvanizing leader. He's very much a big brother, and he's very much a big brother in a way that he, he it's natural for him. Whether that's because of how he grew up, or you know what I'm saying, whatever those circumstances that made him him, he made it easy to be comfortable, at least in theory, of handing stuff over to LeBron or walking into Jimmy Butler's team and saying, this is Jimmy Butler's team. Or, you know what I'm saying, whatever place he's been in, he's always found a way to say the right things 
and to do the right things, even if though in, in moments they came where you were like, man, Dwayne really stepped up and took it tonight, or Dwayne kind of doesn't seem to feel like this secondary guy that he claims that he is, where Jimmy Butler is still sort of finding his voice in a way of, okay, I'm really good, but how good am I? How good can I take this? Where can I take this? I think Dwayne didn't really have to go through those growing pains. I think his growth was a little more, I won't say natural, a little more quicker, where the scrutiny wasn't on him compared to the scrutiny being on Jimmy, where you were around Dwayne when he was really young. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of attention on him to make those verbal mistakes. Well, no, not, 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 not early, not early, Vinny, but uh, I think, you know, that first year, you know, if you look at his rookie year, you know, they had Eddie Jones, they had Brian Grant, they had kind of this sort of, uh, and that was a weird team. Like that was a team that people thought might be one of the worst teams in the league. They started 0 seven. Stan was literally, I mean, literally pulling his hair out. Like literally, like, I mean, after, after the, I mean, you, you covered Stan Vinny, like the first, mm-hmm. the first, I was at the first game in Philadelphia, Dwayne's first ever, you know, road game or, or game period, regular season game. And, you know, he played against Iverson and, you know, number three and all that. And, and Stan outside the locker room, I mean, it looked like he had just lost a hundred straight games. They lost one game and, and that was Stan. And, and so nobody was expecting anything from that team. And, and Lamar, because Lamar Odom was here and he was kind of the big money free agent, a lot more attention went to him where it changed for Dwayne was Shaq, you know, cause mm-hmm. I, you know, Shaq, you know, in a lot of ways. And, and I said this, I didn't really like what Dwayne became for a couple of years, you know, necessarily because, uh, Shaq's influence could be kind of toxic in some ways, you know, it was very showtime. The two of them would sort of lie about like, they'd make up stuff to the media about being at the gym at three in the morning when they weren't, I mean, they were just, they were playing games about stuff. It was, it was very Shaq, you know, Shaq could be playful and everything else, but also when Shaq was surly, Shaq was really surly. And then that could rub off. Um, I think Dwayne's whole thing evolved, you know, post Shaq where he became the only guy on the team. And then it, it sort of had yeah. to be him. But the one similarity between Jimmy and Dwayne is that neither of them were really highly regarded all the way up. I mean, Jimmy, you're right, had to write letters to community colleges. But, I mean, Dwayne, I mean, you know, until his junior year of high school, like nobody knew the hell the hell Dwayne was. Like, so I, I do think there is some similarities. I, the other thing that really strikes me that you say, though, Vinny, is this thing that, like, you know, where Dwayne took it to a 10, I think it's really hard for Heat fans to imagine that because I don't remember one circumstance. I, you, it's funny. You, Casey, and Sean have all talked about that Atlanta game, right? Like that Chicago had, and you, you've all talked about it. I can't remember one situation in Dwayne playing here for what was it, sixteen years, where he went to a ten. I, I just can't. I, there's none. Like even uh, the Indiana series uh, in twelve, uh, where they fell behind two one. And Dwayne was screaming at Spolster on the sideline, basically telling you, I made you and I can end you. Okay. And I mean, it was not exactly those words, but that's close to what Brian Woodworth and I heard <laughs> aside. And even after that, Dwayne was like, pulled it back, like in the locker room. Like he didn't, like uh, the only times Dwayne ever sort of got angry at me was when I was kind of pressing him to criticize Spolster a little bit. And he just, you know, I remember once, I think it was during that series, he looked at me and says, don't do that. Don't put me in that position again, please. You know, so it, it's right. it's surprising for me um, when you say, well, Dwayne would take it to a 10, but Jimmy would, I guess, be a little more diplomatic or hesitant about it. Because I think from the outside or what Heat fans would perceive is that Jimmy is the more sort of direct in your face personality than Dwayne is. That Dwayne is a little bit more in a good way, I think, but a little bit more of a politician, a little bit more of kind of viewing other people and their feelings and making sure that he's, you know, not damaging. So, I mean, Dwayne had to play with Michael Beasley and Hassan Whiteside. Okay. I mean, 
seriously. <laughs> and, and, okay. All right. And, and like would get asked about them constantly, constantly. Could they be what they were supposed to be? Could Bees take things seriously? Was Hassan going to play up to the contract? And Dwayne, like he would poke sometimes and make, but never really went after them the way that you would think. So again, I, I just think as Heat fans hear this, to hear that Jimmy is more reserved than Dwayne, I think they would find that surprising. Here's the thing. Dwayne, you know, here's probably why Dwayne didn't. Because I don't think Dwayne ever went through a period of severe mistrust with coaching and management the way that maybe he did in Chicago. And when mm-hmm. you aren't as invested, you don't have to watch your words as carefully. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you can just be completely free and you don't have to sort of use those filters that you want maybe a natural situation where you have a lot of sweat equity. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, in Miami, he had the sweat equity. Whether, whether it was liked or loved during those Shaq years, that created something with him. You know, the, the run in 05, the championship in 06, you know, and knowing, okay, they're at least going to do things to help us win championships or at least put us in the conversation. When Dwayne was frustrated about that one, he was frustrated with the players, but he's also frustrated with everything else, and he didn't have that history with him. There was no connective tissue. He went mm-hmm. there to go home for a paycheck, whatever you want to say. So it sort of gave him a sort of le- level of freedom that he didn't have to worry about, oh, there's going to be backlash. If Miami's mad at me, Miami, that's Miami. That's the place I built something. Chicago, yeah, it's home. But yeah, okay, whatever. You know what I'm saying? So right, it, it was a right. little different. and I think. Also, well, hey, I believe that he and Jimmy basically they came out like synchronized swimmers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and it was like one person said, you know, Jimmy said something, and then Dwayne said something. And it was almost like Jimmy was surprised that Dwayne went as far as he did. Right. But I didn't think that it was that bad. You're talking to a guy who covered a Detroit Pistons team that said, we're not going to shoot around today. Right. So nothing right. actually bothers me. From a standpoint of like candor and everything else, like I thought the team overreacted. I told Dwayne, I didn't think what he said was that bad. I didn't think what Jimmy said was that bad, but the media, we all made a big deal out of it because, you know, God forbid someone criticized, you know, Garth Warman and Fred Hoiberg. Right, right. Or, or, or John, pa- or John Paxson. Right. All right. So, right. so, so let's get to Jimmy as a player. And, and I've asked kind of the same questions of, of Casey, of John Krasinski, of Sean Hyken. Um, I, I think that Heat fans, I think, are excited because they have what they believe is a true number one. Uh, but but we know there are levels of number ones, right? And you, I mean, you 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 were honest with Jimmy, and you told him at the time. Like I, I always thought of those three wings in the same breath, you know, because there's some similarities. You know, none of them were. No, I mean, I guess Paul George was drafted tenth, but none of them were top nine picks, right? I mean, Kawhi was fifteenth, right. Jimmy, Jimmy was thirtieth. Uh, there were questions about all of whether I think Paul George people believed he would be able to shoot, but I think the other two, there were questions about, you know, Jimmy and Kawhi in particular, uh, what kind of shooters they were going to be. They all kind of made their name on defense initially uh, before they became kind of elite offensive players. So now we've seen, okay, Kawhi is arguably the best player in the league. Uh, I don't think it's that arguable anymore. And that's not a shot at LeBron. If he gets himself in shape and is playing with the right players, then to me, he's the only other one who puts himself there now that Durant is, you know, out of the conversation this year. Uh, and, and, uh, and Paul George, I mean, I think proved last year uh, that he is clearly a top 10 player. Like uh, where you put him, I'm not sure, but I mean, it's, he's clearly top 10. So how, what is the gap now in your view between Kawhi Leonard, true number one, just won a championship, 
you know, he's a number one. Uh, Paul George didn't win a championship, but he was playing with Russ. I know your feelings on Russ. I don't, I don't want to spend a whole podcast on this. <laughs> you, you, you would have disagreed with me about the Heat trying to get Russ, and you would have agreed with my co-host. So I, I, don't, I don't want to go there. Uh, but what is the gap between Kawhi, Paul George, where there's clearly a little bit of a gap between the two of them, but it's not huge, and Jimmy Butler? You're not going to agree with me when I say this. I think for as good and as great as Paul George is, he's number one talent, but comfortable being the number two. Like his mindset isn't a dominant mindset. Like he went from comfortably playing next to Russell Westbrook and being a MVP type of player, having MVP numbers, to now going to the Clippers where he knows he's going to be number two in a city that he grew up in to another guy who virtually plays the same position and probably does everything he does just a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I think Jimmy Butler is probably in between those two in terms of mindset. Okay. Let's just not say he's a number one. Let's say he's a 1.5. Okay. Because personality-wise, I think he's every bit of the person, the person sort of, I won't say the leader, because I think that those things are overused. But mm -hmm. I think that's the mindset, like the dog mindset, the I'm going to compete every day, set the example, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's that guy. But I also believe, and I also believe that he's the guy in the fourth quarter where you can hand him the ball and you say, get out of the way. Now, can he be your best player on a championship team? I'm not sure. I don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I lean towards no, but do I lean towards him being the best perimeter player that you have on a championship team? Do I lean towards him being the, the guy whose hands you want the ball in the last five minutes of the game on a championship team? And to me, that answer is yes. And I don't know if that answer is yes for Paul George. But mm -hmm. I think Paul George is an immensely talented player and probably a little more gifted than Jimmy because maybe he has a, a little tighter handle. Mm -hmm. And I think the difference between being a great player and a superstar player is your ability to create your own shot easily. And mm -hmm. I think maybe Paul's slightly better than that. But because Jimmy's bigger and stronger, he can probably manufacture scoring late in a playoff game better than Paul George. When mm -hmm. to sort of get the whistle and stuff like that, you know, the, you know, these margins are thin. We're mm -hmm. talking about sort of similar levels, you know, a player. And I think defensively, they're kind of in the same spot. But I think Kawhi is a, is a, I won't say a step above. But Kawhi is probably the best perimeter defender in the league when his body is all the way, all the way right. And mm -hmm. Paul George is in the same level, and Jimmy's in the same level. So you're saying like 99 to one, and then 95 and 94. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. I think, I think that's what it looks like and what it feels like. Um, between the three of them. And I still think there is, you know, it just depends on what type of team you have. Because on some teams, if you're asking Paul George to be your late game guy, he right. may not fit that description. But if you're asking him to be a better number two than Jimmy Buck. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, 
wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com, slash, Miami Heat. Butler, he might be a better number two than Jimmy Butler. Yeah, see, I, I, I think that it's weird with Jimmy, because I agree. I think Jimmy needs to be a number one for a personality standpoint. But like you said, I right. don't know if you win a championship with Jimmy as your number one. So it, it's you are kind of in between. And I think that's why heat fans are, you know, looking Bradley Beal. Cause they're like, okay, well maybe Jimmy could be your number one from a personality standpoint, but if Bradley Beal can get you 35, then you're okay. And, and so again, we don't know if that's going to happen. You know, I, you know, I, I have a bet with Candace now, you know, from next year in Vegas on it, that it does happen. So we'll see how that goes. But I, I you think I, it does happen. I think it happens eventually. I think it happens eventually. I, I, I think I think that the whole and you, and look, you, you've studied this. I think that the way the league works is that once guys start to hint that they want out, they get out. I mean, and that's that's how this happens. And I, I and I also look at it from the Heat's perspective, and I know that Riley's not sticking around for nothing uh, at this point, and that he doesn't tend to do things halfway. And so when when I when I look at it, I think they 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 have to have a feeling that the longer that this situation plays out and the worse it gets in Washington, that eventually, even though Bradley Beal, you know, is loyal. And I had this whole conversation. I recommend people listen to the podcast. Candace is great. Uh, but you know, she's talking about his loyalty and that, you know, he's made it clear that he wants to be the guy there, that they want him to be the guy there, that they want to build around him. But I just think when you look at the organizations, you look at the situations, you look at all of that, don't even get into fan bases and weather. Let's just, or, you know, or state tax, just, just get into where are the wizards right now? And, and, you know, the heat or an organization that's not going to settle for that. You know, if you're 26, you're already an all-star, you're an all NBA type player. Where do you want to spend your next few years? I mean, up there waiting on that thing that's never worked, or you want to come down here and maybe it doesn't work, but there is, as you said, a track record of it working. The track record of you know that you know that Dwayne trusted, and all the same people are here. So, I you know if you were to say is Bradley Beal eventually a member of the Miami Heat, I would say sixty percent yes, but I don't know when, right? Because it's you know it's just a question of you know when you can make salaries match and when Washington gives up on the situation. So um, and decides, look, we're just going to bottom out. So that's the way that I view it, but. One more thing on Jimmy, and I just want to go around the league with you for this. You know him pretty well. Um, you and I started talking about this stuff with Jimmy. I remember sending you a text that I heard Jimmy was interested in Miami. Like, this is like last September. Um, and and I think you were a little skeptical at first because it just wasn't one of the teams that had come up. Had he ever expressed a desire to be here while he was in Chicago? Did he and you over here, Dwayne and him, talking about quote-unquote heat culture or any of that stuff? I mean uh, – I mean, I, I, I put it in quotes now because I, I hate the slogan. But, uh, but, but, I mean, heat culture is getting, you know, is is getting Ronnie Magruder paid somewhere else. It's, a, it's, it's, you know, let's win, win. I, I don't care about the slogan. Right. Uh, but, um, I mean, were you surprised that it ultimately played out this way? This is a place he would want to be. No, I was, I wasn't surprised. Now we never had those, you know, explicit, you know, conversations. Um, but I will say that it's natural that Dwayne Wade had an influence on it. Can you imagine the level of frustration 
that they they might have seen together. Because a lot of things were done, and it was like you know Jimmy and Dwayne, and it was kind of like the rest of the team, and not in a way that was negative. It was just in a way that Dwayne was at a different stage of his life and his career, and then the guy that he was closest to happened to be Jimmy Butler, who's coming into his own, you know, as a superstar, as a player, and everything else. So of course, when things are going a certain way, Dwayne's price. Dwayne saying to him, like, look, man, this is not how things are done in championship organizations. This is not how things, you know, were done when I played with Shaq, when I when I didn't play with Shaq, when I played with LeBron and Chris and everything else. Like, like those conversations, of course, were had. And my reason for being skeptical initially, initially was because I believed Jimmy Butler was going completely somewhere else. And I can't tell you which team. But I believe that Jimmy Butler was moving – Further northeast and not in Philadelphia. Put it like that. Further north. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. To the northeast, but not Philadelphia. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Can you give me one guess? Can I get one guess? Sure. Go ahead. Brooklyn. That's a really good guess. (laughs) But I'm. That's a really good guess. That's a really good guess. All right, all right. So that's fine. Well, because you you and I never bought. Look, you and I talked about this during it, um, and we never bought the Houston thing. I I, I you know I remember oh. talking to other writers who are based there that Jimmy's never really claimed Houston. Like it's not oh. right. So I, I and that oh. was out there forever. And then it was like what they were going to give up and all. But it was just not. I, I don't know. I never viewed that as a viable option for him. Um, and you know some of the other ones that were discussed. I know L.A. was obviously discussed. Um, but but it just always it just always seemed like he had a pull here. Now whether it was Dwayne, you know whether it's just being in Miami. I mean he looked very comfortable hanging out in Little Havana, right? It's just it looks he looks <laughs> he, he, right. He just looks right here. Um, just looks like he fits. And certain guys just don't. Like I, there have been guys who've come down here, you know, when they don't fit uh, very well. But I mean he looks like he's going to fit. So I you know I I always thought it was a sort of a natural situation for him and then obviously the relationship with Dwayne uh which you know it's funny Dwayne has lots of different kinds of friends um you know I, I remember talking to him once about how many teammates he'd had this was like four years ago and he had like 111 teammates at that point um but that didn't include like you know USA basketball teammates right, or right. guys he would work out with in the summer and it's just funny because it was like you never really heard Dwayne. There's certain guys in the league that had enemies, right? Like there's just guys that don't. There was never really that with Dwayne. Like I mean, some like a Durant would take a pot shot at him, right? And then you find out he was working right. out with KD. Uh, he just didn't have. I don't know. He, he you know, it, it came across during the the obviously the jersey thing, right? The jersey swap thing that it was like, wow, everybody liked Dwayne. Like you know, mm-hmm. there, there weren't kind of those resentments. But Jimmy's a very different personality than some of the other people that, like, you would consider to be, like, Dwayne's best friends. And, and even on, on this team, like, okay, so LeBron, the way that Gabby, you know, you know, Gabby, and you and I both know Gabby a little bit, like, the way that, that she and I, that she described it to me was that, that LeBron and Dwayne were, like, brothers, like, blood brothers, right? Right. And, and then, and it was just, I mean, you couldn't tell that they were always the same. They'd go to the same, like, chain restaurants on the road, okay? <laughs> it's like, why are, you going to, why are you going to Cheesecake Factory with the money you have, right? Grand Lux is, like, luxury, you know? It's like, right, they, right. Were, they were like brothers, but it was like, it was funny because Bosch, who was totally opposite of LeBron in so many different ways, like once LeBron left, like Gabrielle was like, oh, like Dwayne looked at Chris and was like, oh, I appreciate him too, right? Like I'm now I'm going to fancy steak places, you know, because that's what Chris wants to do. And now I'm going to 
EDM festivals and, you know, and, and all the, you know, the, the sort of the cultured stuff that, that, that he does. So his relationship with Jimmy was interesting to me because it just didn't strike me from the other people that, and even UD, like, again, he has this really close relationship with UD. He was nothing like some of these other guys, but the relationship with Jimmy, uh, I guess took me by surprise a little bit. I, I knew that there was a Marquette connection, but again, I think right. from the outside, people view Jimmy as sort of very rough edged. Um, and I just didn't seem like the type of person that Dwayne would necessarily click with. Here's, here's what I think about Dwayne. And I, and I think I'm understanding what I'm saying. There are people in walks of life. There are two different types of people when we talk about connections. There are people who you meet them where they are, or people will meet you where you are by your force of personality. Dwayne is very much, in my opinion, Dwayne seems like the type that he will meet you where you are. And I think, not to psychoanalyze the guy, but I think because of how you grew up in that type of environment, a lot of times you have to search for a common thread in those nomadic situations that helps you find comfort, comfort if that makes sense. So if that, so if, whether it's a situation or a person or an environment, you find some level of connective tissue and you connect with Dwayne, with uh, LeBron, it was one thing. With Chris, it was something else. It's almost like he's a chameleon. It's almost like he's mm-hmm. everything and nothing at the same time. And it's not that he, it's a fakeness. It's he finds a way to genuinely connect with you. Like, we've interviewed plenty of athletes throughout, you know, our years. Mm-hmm. Dwayne is one of the most genuine humans mm-hmm. that I've come across. And granted, there's, of course, there's some Hollywood to him. There's some superstar to him and everything else. But just as a human, you find yourself listening to him and he says, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? And you find yourself instinctively saying yes, because he's found a way to relate to you, to meet you where you are, so you can understand whatever the situation is. Everybody's not like that. So when Jimmy Butler had his situation of, like you said, there's similarities with them, you know, low-level recruits and then the Marquette and then working hard, you know, finding that connected tissue. He finds that tissue. If he likes you, he's going to find that tissue. Like I remember him walking through the hallway with D'Angelo Russell during all-star weekend, like mm-hmm. right before they walked on the floor and he put his arm around him and he was like helping like adjust his, uh, the collar on his Jersey. <laughs> right. And he said, he said, this is my last. This is your first. Trust mm-hmm. me. It'll get easier. And he wasn't saying it for the cameras. He just so happened to be passing by me. Right when he said it and it was like, man, he's found another guy. He's probably 15 years older than to connect with. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, we were going to talk a lot of other NBA stuff, but I find this topic more interesting. So we're just staying on this. Uh, I, I, it, it, you're totally right about him. Cause I can speak to personal situations, um, that I've had that are similar to his and, uh, and, and sort of the advice he's given just sort of unsolicited. Um, which, uh, you know, you're right. I mean, I think he looks for that, that kind of one thing. And, I, you know, if you look at that uh, big three teams, you know, his relationships with whether it was, you know, a big brother to Rio uh, or like some, of, like some of the, like his happiest moments in those big three rooms were like him and hanging out with Mike Miller. Like he just, Mike made him laugh. Like it was just, you know, <laughs> I mean, Mike made a lot, Mike, Mike has that quality too. Mike has that quality where he can kind of relate to everybody in the room. That's one of the reasons that hurt them so much when he left after the third season, because 
uh, the third season of the big three because of the amnesty, because he was like the one person that like everybody in the room liked Mike, like even when Mike wasn't playing and he was bitching to people about not playing, like they liked him, but Dwayne, um, Dwayne has that too. And, and Dwayne was in a lot of ways, the bridge between Bosch and LeBron, because I think, although that respect developed between them, there were times that LeBron was frustrated with Chris uh, because mm-hmm. he saw talent in Chris and Chris just didn't set court go get it sometimes. And you know, right. I remember LeBron getting frustrated with certain questions where he'd be asked about why Bosch was struggling with Hibbert or Bosch was struggling with Garnett and, and LeBron kind of dance around a little bit, but they'd be like, well, you got to ask him. Um, and I always felt like Dwayne, and I always go back to this and I talked to Bosch about this on, you know, I did about 40 minutes with Bosch, you know, on the podcast, which people can still find it's, it's in our library. And, I asked about the first press conference they had at UM and you know, Dwayne was sitting between the two of them and Chris laughed because I said, what do you remember? He says, well, LeBron and I wore the same suit. Uh, and he was embarrassed and he was, yeah, that's very Chris. Like that's very Chris. That's the, that's the thing that would be bothering him there. But LeBron was fidgety. LeBron was tapping his, his fingers the whole time. And Dwayne took the mic, you know, to sort of narrate the whole thing to, to be the MC of the whole thing because both, he could tell both guys were uncomfortable so I, I do think I, I do think that's what has made Dwayne uh, really unique uh, is because you know there I, you just you do not hear I just I've never heard a teammate you know I've heard some teammates who were a little annoyed you know with the knee maintenance uh, particularly like the last year of it uh, you know that they and I think that team was just they were just sort of tired of each other and and Dwayne right. said that too but I've never heard, I mean, he's had so many teammates and I've never heard teammates say bad things about him. Like they go other places and it's, you know, maybe they're not, they weren't his best friend, but you know, maybe he wasn't the one organizing dinners, but uh, that was LeBron actually, not Dwayne, but, but you never hear anything bad. And the the words you use chameleon is funny because LeBron said that word to me once describing himself um, on why he could connect with everybody. But I feel like a lot of teammates felt Dwayne was more genuine about it at times. Uh, (laughs) Here's, here's, I, I think, and I haven't been around LeBron extensively, you know, but I just think LeBron's force of person. LeBron is the opposite. Dwayne comes to you. LeBron, you have to come to him. Like the force of personality is so strong, like the oxygen in the room type of thing, where he's going to naturally take up the oxygen in the room. He's going to dominate the conversations. He's going to steer, you know, the conversation. That's just who he is, and it's your job you know, as a teammate, as a friend or whoever, as an acquaintance, to find out that wavelength that he's on and meet him there. I think Dwayne is the one that finds the wavelength with you and meets you there and makes you comfortable. And it doesn't make LeBron bad guy, Dwayne great guy. I promise you it doesn't mean that because all of our personalities, I believe, are one or the other. Like we find some way to connect with a guy with either our force of personality or our ability to connect with you on some micro and macro level that earns a bit of trust. I just think LeBron is, has been, by his own circumstances, had to be more forceful because who else was going to do it? I think in Dwayne's situation, he's had to adapt to new situations throughout his life, you know, at, at younger ages where, all right, I have to be comfortable here. I have to make myself comfortable here to figure this out in the meantime. And I think that's where those type of things come from. And I genuinely think Dwayne has a certain level of empathy. And I think that enables him to connect. Whether it was with Jimmy Butler's road or whatever it was, or LeBron's personal struggles when he first got to Miami, 
even if he did, let's say Dwayne was not ready to give up that mantle. Like mm-hmm. if they win in 2011, he's the finals MVP for the second time in his career. Mm-hmm. And he's in a completely different strata historically that makes it much more difficult for him to give that up. Right. Yep. And he yep. said, like, look, if we, if we win that, I'm not giving that up. But because right. he didn't win and because I saw what it was doing to someone else, I had to take a step back. To me, that shows less about, well, I'm ready to take a step back and more about let me find a way ultimately connect with this person who needs this more than I need this. Well, he said that to me flat out. I, I remember it was after a shoot around. I think we were in, uh, God, was it, we're still in Jersey at the time, maybe with the Nets still in Jersey. It was either Jersey or Brooklyn, but it was before they played the Nets. And we ha- I had him alone for a couple of minutes and I was doing a story about LeBron and how much a championship meant to him. And, uh, and, and, uh, Dwayne said to me flat out and on the record, he's like, you know, a title, you know, this means more, uh, to me that he gets it than I get it at this point. Um, you know, because he viewed it that way in terms of, and I believed him. It was not, I don't think he was just saying it to sound good. I mean, there was a certain point where like Dwayne didn't need to say things to sound good anymore. Like he was, I mean, he right. was, a, he was a minted superstar. So he's going to say what he was going to say. And, and I believe he really wanted it for LeBron more than he wanted it for himself. Now I think, Maybe that that second title with the big three was different because Dwayne was fighting the knee stuff, and I, one of my favorite pictures that I took was him kind of in the like all the rose ke- confetti in the middle of the floor doing snow angels afterwards because he he was that meant so much to him because of everything he'd had to fight through and because his place as a superstar had kind of been taken, and for him to play a role in that championship and you know regardless of what Ray did at the end or Bosch's rebound or whatever Dwayne played a role. There was a game in that that playoff series where, you know, they, he was insulted, you know, from what I remember, the final series. Game, game four. Yeah, game game four. Well, well they put Tiago Splitter on him to start the game. Like, I mean, it was total insult from Popovich, and, and Dwayne had 32. And so I, I just – I think that that title meant more for him. But I think for that first title, it meant more for him that LeBron um, got it. All right, final thing here, um, and we'll talk NBA another time and, and check out his work. I mean, this is the guy who broke all the stories about Chris Paul and James Harden. You broke him up, and, and you're the reason for that. But anyway. Yes, yes uh, I am. You are. But let, let's let's go to one last piece here. Let's let's say there's no Bradley Beal here. Let's say that it's, um, you know, Justice Winslow, Bam Adebayo, Derek Jones Jr., Tyler Harrow is all of a sudden everybody's player player down here after nobody wanted him to draft him. Uh you know, let's say it's Jimmy and the kids. That's that's this team, right? Until they clear out, you know, a couple of the other contracts that they have. What kind of elite? Now, I mean, he's been through this experience in Chicago, playing with kids who I don't think were as good as the kids in Miami. Okay, I, I don't I don't think that the Bobby Portises of the world and some of the players that they had up there were as, as good as you know as Bam Adebayo or or Justice Winslow can be in this system. Okay, but what kind of a leader will Jimmy be? I think Jimmy will be a much more comfortable leader because if you think about it, at least from my perspective, if you, if he, if you look at him in the field and say he had problems, you can say, all right, Brett Brown, how does, how does Brett Brown manage that situation? And then Elton Brand being sort of a novice to all of that. And then those, those kids having their own quote unquote, you know, growing issues, whether it was in beef injuries or Bill, you know, say Bill Simmons, Bill Simmons's lack of everything. Right. The frustration can 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 be rooted there. In Minnesota, it was the cat stuff and more cat than Wiggins, right? And the Thibodeau stuff. All of those issues aren't going to be in Miami, where I think Spolstra's control, and, and we can all get into how great of a coach Spo is compared to 
where he's perceived and everything. So Spo's a damn good coach. And Spo can sort of have his hand on the room in a way that Brett Brown and Tom Thibodeau did not. And Pat Riley is a much different, you know, executive or, or steering of the ship, per se, than, you know, anybody in Philly or anybody in Minnesota and certainly anybody, you know, in Chicago. This is no shade to anybody else. But it's, a, it's a much more trusting situation. And as a leader, Jimmy Butler, even if Jimmy Butler is still going to be himself, he does look at those situations and say, you know what, I could have handled that differently. I'm a more mature player. I'm a more secure player in my place in the league. When you're securing your place in the league, I think it affects what type of leader you are compared to being the guy who's still taking the lead by surprise and still fighting for respect outside of your locker room. That type of stuff, I think, affects guys more than we, more than we realize from a human standpoint. And I think going to a situation that's settled, that has a foundation, that has a track record, I think he'll be good with some of those guys. Now, granted, I don't think that Pat is going to sit still. I don't think it's going to be Jimmy and the kids. If it is, it ain't going to be for long. Like, I think Pat's going to be something. I thought, I thought Russell was going to be there. And although I'm not a Russ fan in that way, I would, have, I would say I thought Westbrook with Spo, with Riles, with Jimmy would have brought out the best of what's left of him. Agreed. Compared to Houston. That's why, that's why I wanted the move. I also, I also thought, and look, we can argue about the contract, but I also thought that whereas people were worried about Jimmy and him butting heads, I, I think it would have worked, honestly. I, I think – uh, I think they have that kind of competitive. Like I always say, this the things that scare other organizations are the things the Heat embrace. So, like that attitude where they might have killed each other in practice, like that would have been celebrated here. That that's it's different. It would have been encouraged. Uh, that was Zoe. Okay, that was Zoe and Mash getting at it, in, or Timmy, or that that. I mean, that goes way back. Like that's. You know, that's Pat Riley one in the marketing department in New York to draw chalk outlines. Okay, that's. That that that's what they like. So so <laughs> right. I so I, I just don't think that would have been as big an issue uh, for the Heat as anybody else. But look, we'll never know because again, you got Chris Ball traded, so that's how that played out. All right, we're gonna that's do right. this. We're gonna do this again. Uh, where can I follow? Did you change? You change your Twitter handle again, didn't you? It's Vince no? Goodwill. Now that's all. Jesus. All right. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I all right. You're you're you're, you're Vinny to me, I guess. All right. We'll do this again. I appreciate it. Um. I you know maybe I'll see you out in Vegas again. We'll do that too. Uh, but again, follow him at Vince Goodwill. He's uh, yahoo.com and uh, he's, he's big time national now, uh, but we'll, we'll bring him on to talk some NBA stuff later on. Vinny, thanks for doing it. Appreciate it. Hey, appreciate you, my man. All right. And that episode was brought to you also by Seltzer Mayberg. You can find the attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg at onecalllegal.com. That's 1-855-5000-LAW. If you want to call them, we've got a new 15,000 square foot office on I-95 in North Miami. Um, I'm down there about once a week. We share an office with them down there, and they actually just got me out of a traffic ticket completely, just washed out, okay? Showed up, told me to wait in the other room, came out and said, winner, winner, chicken dinner, and that was done. Uh, They will handle your traffic ticket starting at $49 all the way up the coast. I just hooked up somebody from Palm Beach with them. They're going to get him his traffic ticket off. I can promise you that. Well, I won't promise you, but it's a pretty damn good chance. Uh, 24-7 service for a full and free consultation. That's onecalllegal.com, 1-855-5000-LAW. And I will be back a little bit later in the week. I got a couple more NBA guests uh, coming up. Not going to be a Jimmy Butler press conference anytime soon. Doesn't mean we can't talk about him. So if anything happens with Bradley Beal, we'll break in. But for now, we'll just keep getting you ready for the season.